to Isaiah. We'll need it in just a moment, but I'm just giving you some heads up. Isaiah chapter 65, you'll need to put your finger in that page or flip it over on your iPad or iPhone. Isaiah 65 and then Revelation 21. All right, keep those two uh, things ready and we will... If we could have the first PowerPoint, please, there, Thomas, thanks. We've been doing a series over this past uh, year called Gospel Shaped Work, looking at what the Bible has to say about work. Our focus has been ministry and a lot of our time is spent at work, so we've been looking at what does the Bible say, how can our work be shaped by the gospel and how should the gospel impact our work life. And uh, we're uh, going to conclude uh, this series today. Uh, we've been, uh, Tom's been helping us with these DVDs, we're going to see some DVDs, we're going to connect them and... Um, He's going to preach to us as well. And uh, so we're finishing with what are we looking towards or what are we working towards. We have looked at created to work, that God has uh, created us in His image as His representatives and uh, He created us workers like He is a worker. Jesus says, my Father is working, He's still working. Uh, he's at work and uh, He has created us like Him with creative ability. But then sin has spoiled what God has done and so we looked at work in the fall and the impact of the fall or our rebellion in the area of work and uh, the result of the curse uh, that has uh, made it more difficult and, uh, and problematic. But then we've looked at the gospel, how work is renewed through the coming of Christ and how we're to glorify God in our work and how the gospel impacts our work. But then we looked at work and power. And, uh, but today we want to look at what are we working towards. We introduced it last week and finishing it off today. Question. You're allowed to give me an answer too, just by the way. When people think about heaven in our culture, what comes to mind, do you think? When people talk about heaven, what comes to mind? Come on, you're allowed to talk. Comfort. Comfort. People out there. Utopia, Perfection. Any other pictures? Sorry? Yeah? Clouds and harps. Yeah, sometimes they picture that as if we're sitting on clouds or you become a little angel with a lovely little wings on it. Yeah? Paradise? Okay, well, we're going to hear some comments, but when you think about eternity, what pictures come to your mind? Don't tell me, don't respond to this one. Because uh, we're going to be challenged a little bit by what Tom says. Sometimes we think when, uh, when eternity comes that it'll just sort of be nebulous and sort of floaty. And, but listen to what the Bible has to say. We want to talk about what are we working towards. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have a plan and a purpose. We're not here by accident. And you have a plan and a future and a purpose for us in the coming ages. And so, Father, we pray that you'll open our minds and hearts to receive whatever your spirit wishes to say to us this morning and help us to respond in faith and obedience. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If we can have the lights as we watch the first DVD. Thank you.
curiosity, endless discovery, uh, and more joy. Hopefully it'll be, it'll be good, or hopefully. I think it'll be unimaginable. I can't even comprehend how beautiful it will be, a place without pain, without suffering, without worries. Um, I don't even know what that looks like. Floating over top, just looking at everybody. I believe it'll be everything that Earth is without all that is what we would not wish it to be. Agnostic, no knowledge. I don't have a tendency to think about things like that. I think there are things that I know, right? I, I know that that the pain and the suffer, the, the pain and the suffering of sin, um, is not an experience that I will have. But what that means, I just don't know. What will the new creation be like? What will we do there? How you answer that question speaks to what you think matters in the here and now. How a culture thinks about life beyond the grave says a lot about what a culture thinks about its life now. One thing common across most cultures is that very few think of the world to come in terms of work. Heaven is where we are entertained and find rest. Heaven is where we get away from work. But the Bible says something that almost no human culture says. It says that in the new creation, we will work. We will not spend eternity in idle rest, but in fruitful, productive work. Surprised? Let's spend some time looking at some verses at the very end of the Bible. Thank you, Jeff, for the lights at the front. We're actually going to um, look at some verses from earlier in the Bible, then go to the end of the Bible. So we're going to look at Isaiah first. Isaiah 65, if you have your Bibles there. Because this is not sort of a, a new idea. It's not as if God got caught off guard with the fall and sin and, and human rebellion and, oh dear, what am I going to do now? No, God has always had a plan and nothing can stop his plan. And uh, our sin might spoil along the way, but he, he can handle that. And uh, he has said this a long time ago about the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah 65 verse 17 says this, and then we'll jump to 21. Isaiah 65, 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Then jump to verse 21. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. Now, when Isaiah was speaking, prophecy has a, a closer fulfillment in the return of the children of Israel from exile, but also has a double fulfillment and a coming fulfillment in the new heavens and the new earth, because it goes on to say this, which didn't happen in the first fulfillment. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's fruit food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. 
And so it starts. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. In Isaiah, a long time before Jesus came. Now let's go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Revelation 21. The revelation of Jesus Christ to John the Apostle, to the seven churches, and to us. says this. Notice similar words to what God had already said through the prophet Isaiah and now through the prophet John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That is the picture of the bride in the New Testament. It's always speaking about as God's people, the church. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Just like back in the garden when Jesus walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, his dwelling was with them. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Remember those words from Isaiah? For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then the angel showed me the river, chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever." That's the word of the living God. Let's listen to Tom again. Thank you for the lights. This passage in Revelation is the very end of our story. And in this final session, we will summarize what we have seen in detail in the previous weeks. God created us to work. Work was marred by the fall and work is being redeemed through the gospel. But the final piece to our story is part four, new creation. Even the phrase new creation suggests something significant. For the Bible does not speak of heaven as most of our culture does, as some disembodied existence for our spirits, floating around with wings and halos, but as a physical place for humans to live in resurrection bodies. Both in Revelation and throughout the Bible, The implication is that work will continue into the new creation. Still confused? Well, let's look at work and the new creation under two ideas. Our heavenly existence will be earthly and our heavenly existence will be one where we reign with God. First, our heavenly existence will be earthly. Did you notice how earthy the language of Revelation 21 and 22 is? 
we tend to think about people going up to heaven. First thing that jumps out at us is that heaven is coming down to earth. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21 does not depict souls departing earth to go up to heaven, but a city coming down to earth. And few things are more earthy than a city. Cities are full of business, parks, art, sports, roads, restaurants, sewers, theaters, and architecture. Furthermore, in 21.5, God declares from his throne, Behold, I am making all things new. Again, the language is important, for God is not saying, I am making all new things. He says he is making all things new. The language suggests healing and restoration, God redeeming this world and transforming it to the way that it was always meant to be, but so much more. Finally, Revelation depicts eternity as both a new earth and as a holy city. Many have pointed out that the story of the Bible is a story of a journey from a garden to a city. In Genesis 1, God called Adam and Eve to participate in the expansion and flourishing of humankind. An inevitable part of that growth is the creation of cities where people live together. Therefore, it should not surprise us that the dominant image of new creation is a city where God dwells with his people and his people live and grow in peace and community. The new creation is where everything we have been working towards will be fully and completely realized. The implication for this on your work cannot be overstated, for your work truly has lasting significance in a way you perhaps do not yet see. Any good work you contribute to this world will last into eternity when Jesus brings his perfect kingdom. In Isaiah 65, this vision of a physical existence is underlined in countless ways. Listen to this beautiful picture. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. What is striking in Isaiah 65 and Revelation 21 and 22 is the many ways we see everything we are working towards established and fulfilled. We have seen this already in an earlier session, but it stands repeating here because we so easily lose sight of the eternal value of our work in the treadmill of day-to-day -day living. Here are just a few examples. Those Christians whose vocational tasks lead them to work for justice, lawyers, politicians, social workers, journalists, and in some cases the military, will enter a new creation where the tree of life is present, yielding leaves for the healing of the nations. All they are working for in this life will become a reality in the next. Those whose work leads them to work for peace, civil rights activists, the police and law enforcement, teachers and educators who serve youth in crime-filled communities, will enter a new creation where the wolf and lamb shall grace together and the tree of life provides healing to the nations. Those whose occupations lead them to work for healing, doctors, surgeons, therapists, counselors, will enter a new creation where every tear will be wiped away. Death shall be no more, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Those whose vocational tasks lead them to build those in construction, architects, engineers, city planners, will lead them to a new creation 
where houses are built and inhabited, where the most beautiful city with gates of jewels and streets of gold will be the fulfillment of every good thing ever built. And there is more than that. Because those who feel stuck in their vocation, either due to their poverty or injustice, or because of a lack of fulfillment from their work, will enter a new creation where they shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. If you are someone who is stuck in a dreary job that there seems to be no point to, you will finally taste the full fruit of your God-given talents and capacities. The new creation is solely a gift of God, brought about by the return of his son. But in a mysterious way, all our good work now will last into the new kingdom. Every good contribution we offer now is a foretaste of the new creation, where Jesus will make real everything we are working towards. So keep working, for your labor is not in vain. One of the most interesting ideas in the New Testament is that Christians will in some real way reign with Christ in the new creation. This is explicit in Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. What does it mean that we will reign with Christ? It means we will have a job to do, and that job will be better than anything we do here on earth. That we will work in the new creation should not surprise us. After all, work is introduced in Genesis 1 before the fall. If work is intrinsic to the design of human beings, then that design will not cease in the new creation. Moreover, human beings were made in the image of God, and he placed us as his stewards in creation. They were to represent his rule on this earth. Therefore, when the Bible suggests that we will reign with Christ, this should not surprise us, because that was our task given to us in Genesis 1 and 2. The precise details are not revealed to us, but certainly it means that we will participate with Jesus as he establishes his perfect kingdom. In Genesis, it meant Adam tended the garden and named the animals as part of the way he filled the earth to the glory of God. At the very least, we know we will be working for the true king, employing and exercising our gifts to continue his reign of justice, peace, kindness, and love. Perhaps we have the wrong idea of the perfection of the new creation, that everything is already as good as it possibly could be. But there is another way of looking at it, the new creation will be without sin, and those who have trusted in Christ will be without sin. But we will continue to work for the extension of his perfection. We will continue to learn, to create, to invent, to explore, to extend the glory of Jesus' reign into the whole universe. When we looked at Genesis 3, we saw that in this life, our work will never be all that it can be. We have a good idea, but cannot seem to execute it. We want to start a business, but lack the resources and skills to begin. We sit down to write a story, but what we write does not match what's on our mind. We work hard, but so much of our work seems to be wasted, for even the best jobs have a host of tasks that do not excite us. 
No matter how hard we work, it is never all that it could be. But in the new creation, that is all gone. Work will be better. But what exactly will we be doing in the new creation? The short answer is we simply do not know. We know we will reign with Christ and that our work will be better. Where we began this study, then, is where we end. For we began in a garden full of potential call to work, and we will end in a city full of potential. Heal from the curse of the fall and call to work as servants of the living God and rulers with Christ in the new creation. In the new creation, our work will be void of the curse. There will be work to do, and we will relish doing it. Gone will be the frustrations and failures. We will embrace creativity and cooperate with each other joyfully under the adoring gaze of our God and Savior, who we will gaze at and adore in return as we give him the glory for all things. We started this series asking a simple question. How does the gospel story shape our view of work? And we have discovered the profound and deep answers to that question. We were created for work, and it is intrinsically a good gift from God that leads to the flourishing of us, both as individuals and as a human society. So the gospel calls us to honor work and all workers, to enjoy it, to embrace it, and to give ourselves to work for the glory of God. We are all fallen creatures, and we live under the curse of the fall. So we should not be surprised or concerned when work seems difficult or futile or exhausting or hard. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, the world is being redeemed. Jesus is saving men and women from every nation, race, and tribe. His people are filled with his spirit who inspires us and empowers us to work for the kingdom of God. But the redemption that Christ has won is so much bigger. He is also redeeming the world and our work in the world. So we should work as believers with a new perspective on life, adding value to the world, knowing that our work will not be in vain. History is heading toward an endpoint when God will make all things new in Christ and work will be a feature of that new creation as we continue to serve God and reign with Christ forever. So we should look forward to that new creation, not as an opportunity to put our feet up and entertain ourselves, but as the start of a new chapter in an eternity of creative, fulfilling, and purposeful work to the glory of God. I can't end this series without saying one final word, which is this. Jesus is calling you to be a part of that new creation. He has done all the work necessary to make that possible. Will you respond to his call to escape the curse of the fall on your life and live with him forever? And if you have already responded to this call, how will that transform the way you work, wherever that might be? There is a God. There is a future healed world that He will bring about. And your work now is showing it in part to others. Your work will be only partially successful on your best days in bringing that world about. But inevitably and ultimately, beauty, harmony, justice, comfort, joy, and community will come to fruition. That's what we call the Christian hope. We believe death is not the end. We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and conquered death. Death is dead. And Christ is coming again. And ultimately, at the right time when he returns, 
and the resurrection happens, we'll have new bodies to live in a new created world. Peter talks about it this way. He says, this world was destroyed by a flood, not annihilated, destroyed, and a new world came out of it. And the world we are in is after the flood. But a new world is coming that will be after a fire. And he talks about this world being destroyed, not annihilated, destroyed, and out of it will come a new world when God will make all things new. And so we've looked at that overview of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And uh, last week we introduced the fact that Christ has come and his kingdom has begun through the reign of his Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And the kingdom is also ultimately to come. And that's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God has broken into this world. And I trust he's broken into your life and given you the life of the age that's to come, his life which is eternal, so that when he does come back in these new heavens and new earth, you'll be able to participate in that new kingdom and that new creation. But it doesn't just automatically happen. Our culture tends to think, be good, do the right thing, and of course you'll get to heaven. But you need to enter as well as serve in the kingdom of God now to enjoy the new creation. And so I want to ask, have you entered into the kingdom of God? Have you placed yourself under the rule and the rulership of Messiah Jesus? You see, the scripture says this, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is not something you get when you die. Eternal life is the very life of God living in you by the gift of his Holy Spirit. It's knowing by personal experience the only true God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you again, have you entered into his kingdom now? Because if you're not in his kingdom now, you will not enjoy his kingdom then. If you haven't experienced his new life now, his eternal life now, you will not enjoy the new creation then. Don't just presume that if you're good and do your best, you'll get there. You'll get to heaven and you'll enjoy the new creation that we've been talking about. No, you need to enter in. You need to receive the eternal life that has been provided and made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, this is the prayer you can pray that just expresses a statement of faith or of commitment. Dear God, I know I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live a new life with Jesus as my ruler. You see, a follower of Jesus is somebody who's come out of the kingdom of darkness, this fallen world, and come into the kingdom of the Son of God and placed his life under his rulership and his leadership, trusting him through his death on the cross to forgive their sin and trusting him through the gift of the Holy Spirit to give them eternal life, his life now. And with that assurance, then living to serve him and waiting for the new creation of a new body and a new world where there'll be no more sin and no more death. 
And so I want to ask, have you entered in? And if you've entered in, then realize now, this is what we've been focusing on through this series, you work for Jesus. That fact is the most important thing you can know and remember about your work. We're under his rule. No matter who your boss is, we work for Jesus. We're in his kingdom, whatever our particular job is. So again, have you entered and are you serving? And in the new creation, we will then enjoy and continue to serve. And so let's finish with this prayer that says this, Lord Jesus, renew your joy in me as I live by faith, seeing my work as an opportunity to cooperate with you in fulfilling your purposes and plans in the circumstances you have placed me in for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can pray that regarding your work if you've prayed that first prayer of entering in. So I want to just pause. And in the quietness, which prayer would you pray? You can't pray and ask God's blessing on your work to see his, to bring him glory and honor if you've not prayed that first prayer of entering into his kingdom and asking him for his forgiveness and asking him to come into your life. If you've never done that, why don't you do it right now? There's no magical words, but if by faith you've never done it before, why don't you say, please forgive me, Lord Jesus, and by your Holy Spirit come into my life, I want to live under your rule. If you've already done that, will you commit your work to be a place where you serve and honor and bring glory to the Lord Jesus? Let's pray. And while our eyes are closed, if you've never submitted your life to Jesus as your ruler, and you want to be sure that you'll enjoy the new heavens and the new earth, you want to be sure that your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life, well, why don't you quietly pray this prayer after me? Dear God, I know I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live a new life with Jesus as my ruler. Father, I pray for any this morning who have for the first time said, yes, I want Jesus to forgive my sin. I want Jesus' spirit to come into my life. I want his eternal life now. I commit to living under his rule. I pray that you'll baptize them by your spirit into your body and that they will never look back. And Father, as your people, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to live in such a way, no matter our circumstances, no matter our job, that we will express the coming age, the new heavens and the new earth in this present evil age, that we'll be light and salt, and we'll be peace and joy and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and meekness and self-control the fruit of the Spirit in the places of our work, that your glory might be seen and your honor may be raised. 
And so as your church called out, look, we commit ourselves to living under your rule and your reign till Jesus comes. And we ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen.